Okay, good afternoon everyone. Let's, uh, let's get underway. Um, uh, Turkey is uh, uh, a country which is increasingly important in these seminars. We discuss it every year. Uh, huge strategic importance in view of events in the Middle East, obviously, but also uh, a considerable interest in terms of what's happening internally in Turkey at the moment. For those of us who are concerned about uh, press freedom or reports of closures of uh, media in Turkey, obviously concern us. Uh, equally, we have to recognise that the Erdogan government has a lot of popular support. Um, but I'm delighted that we are able to welcome uh, today uh, Karim uh, Balja. Have I got that right? Wonderful. Okay, thank you. Uh, checking my Turkish pronunciation there. Um, Karim is editor of the Turkish Review. Uh, he's a former uh, columnist on the Zaman paper, uh, which is uh, an opposition an opposition voice, uh, as he would describe it, in terms of the Erdogan government. Uh, and uh, since we can call him a goodness supporter. Yes. Um, so obviously these issues become complex the deeper you get into them. But uh, he's going to give us, I know, a, a very unique and uh, rich and valuable insight into what's happening in Turkey at the moment. So Karim, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, I will start with a, a word of uh, warning. I am a person quite disliked in Turkey by the Turkish government. You are journalists or will be. Uh, if you are planning to go to Turkey, I suggest you not to tweet sympathetic tweets about me. Um, this may be the end of your Turkey career. Um, <clears throat> I have, uh, we, we have a few uh, graphs here. I will start with this crucial graph and I will turn back to it. Uh, this, this schema explains why I prefer to call the title of today's lecture as catastrophic success. Um, the schema shows the 15 years of uh, Erdogan government's uh, influence on Turkish, on distribution of Turkish media on the lines of uh, opposition and pro-government uh, newspapers. In 2002, when uh, the Justice and Development Party came to power, there were, there were uh, only barely two uh, newspaper that were selling more than 100,000 copies a day that were supportive of the government and the rest of the 13 newspapers uh, that were sell selling once again more than 100,000 were um, I can say clearly anti-Erdogan uh, uh, maybe they were not so much anti-Justice and Development Party but they were certainly clearly in fact radically anti-Erdogan at that time uh, in 2007, uh, after winning uh, another uh, general election, uh, a referendum on direct election of the president and change of the presidential post from an ultra-radical uh, secularist president to Abdullah Gül, uh, one of uh, Adan's uh, people, uh, the tone of the opposition media started to uh, get down, uh, a bit more sympathetic, if you wish, or maybe fearful. Uh, things have happened, and a, a major media group, uh, Turquoise Media Group, that owned several TV channels and newspapers, moved from opposition to a neutral position, and within two years it became a pro-government media group, one of the largest ones in Turkey. My media group, Zaman Media Group, initially was a staunch supporter of the Justice and Development Party in 2007, 
we were the largest circulating newspaper in Turkey, still a supporter of uh, the government, and I have to admit that we benefited from the fact that the Justice and Development Party was in power and we were supportive of the government. Many people you know, like to buy the newspaper that is supported by the government and that is supportive of the government. And several newcomers were added into the list of uh, pro-government uh, media. In 2013, I can say the balance changed radically with the change of position of Zaman Media Group. Together with a sister media group, IPEC COSA, we moved from purely pro-government position to radically anti-government uh, position. And we were already selling over one million copies a day. And this, this was one-fourth of the overall sales of tur Turkish newspapers. So 25% was controlled by my media group. We moved suddenly from pro-government position to anti-government position or critical position, I may say. So when you look at the picture, you may see that the blue, line, uh, blue bubbles uh, dominated up until 2013. And in, in fact, in fact, until 2015, they dominated, but that domination continued only thanks to the fact that suddenly Zaman uh, and Bugün moved from pro-government position to anti-government uh, position. Take Zaman and Bugün out, you will realize that already in 2013, meaning in 10 years, the Justice and Development Party managed to move almost 50% of opposition newspapers into its own camp. As of last week, uh, there is only one uh, national newspaper that is selling more than 100,000 copies in Turkey that is clearly opposition newspaper. Uh, Zaman, Bugün, uh, and some other smaller opposition newspapers are all closed down after the coup under the uh, state of emergency laws. So the overall sales of uh, Turkish media had already shrink, shrank by uh, before, before the uh, July coup, but after the July coup, overall sales dropped in 2002, 5.5 million today to 3.2 million copies a day. So one third of the overall sales is lost altogether. But uh, while shrinking, it also went down to the pro-government uh, uh, position. Uh, the Dogan Media Group, the uh, admiralship, uh, it is called after Turkish media, Hürriyet Daily, is now not yet pro-government. It is, I can say, uh, moderately pro-government. Uh, but many newspapers that used to be anti-government or critical opposition newspapers are now clearly uh, pro-government, willfully, clearly, and sometimes fearfully pro-government newspapers. Now, uh, I, I have another amazing study that was done. I would love to be the person who had done this study. Uh, a certain uh, academic called Salih Bayram uh, published an article in 2014. This is the first page of the handout. Um, this guy made a, a content analysis uh, study, and he found an, a very clever way of understanding uh, the change of mentality of newspapers. This is unique to Turkey. The Justice and Development Party is named in Turkish Adalet ve Kalkınma Partisi, and the acronym is, is AKP. Uh, but the Justice and Development Party insists that people should not use AKP, but AK Party, 
instead, which does have connotation of purity, innocence, white, and hopeful. So uh, that insistence was always there, but uh, Salih Bayram uh, randomly selected newspapers, newspaper columns, and news items from uh, major newspapers of Turkey, and has shown how uh, usage of AKP was dominating the newspapers back in 2002 by almost 80%, and whereas now, uh, in 2011 already, in 2011 already, Salih Bayram says 76% of uh, referrals to Justice and Development Party was made as AK Party and not as AKP. At that era, my media group was still referring to Justice and Development Party from day one as AK Party. Uh, in 2013, we moved into AKP, whereas the rest of the media moved into AK Party. Uh, with the connotation of purity and innocence. Well, uh, I, I refer to Hürriyet daily as the Admiralship of Turkish media. It is, and it is still, uh, the most influential newspaper, despite the fact that it, it does not necessarily sell the largest number of newspapers. It is always the most influential newspaper. I can say the Guardian-style uh, newspaper, by means of influence, not by means of con uh, content. Um, but Salih Bayram realized that uh, turning point started already in uh, early 2009, and by the end of 2009, uh, he shows how use of the blue is uh, use of AKP, and the red is use of AK Party. How use of referring to Justice and Development Party in this newspaper, and these are only news items. You are all journalists, you know news items are editorial uh, positions, whereas columns are the positions of the columnists themselves. And if you don't make that distinction, you may mislead yourself because many newspapers, including Hürriyet and Posta, may sound oppositional when it comes to the uh, columnists. But when it comes to the news items and titles and so on, they are either pro-government or extremely pro-government. Now, uh, in 2009, uh, the shift happened and suddenly a clearly opposition group started to use the language that Erdogan himself wants to be used about himself and his party. Uh, this, is, uh, this is only a symbolic uh, issue, but you can be assured that when you adopt Erdogan's version of uh, naming a group, naming Justice and Development Party, you in fact adopt the whole package. It doesn't come just like AK Party as the label. It comes to overall innocence, feeling of innocence. It comes overall support also. If, for example, uh, my media group that used to be named Hizmet in the past, Servitude in English, uh, is now referred to as FETÖ, Fetullahist Terrorist Organization. So if somebody refers to my group as FETÖ, it is a it's a whole package. It doesn't mean uh, that he, he, he can refer to us as a terrorist organization and not to me as a terrorist. So just the same, same way by Salih Bayram has shown how Turkish media has moved from an anti uh, AKP position to a, a pro-AKP position. Well, my question is clear. How, how, how did this happen? You know, in 15 years, and in fact, Salih Bayram suggests that even 
less than 10 years, how come media, which should be theoretically the most resilient sector of the society to impositions of the government, has been changed by the government? The government didn't change. In fact, if anything changed in the government policies, it should have changed in the reverse direction because between 2002 and 2007, I may say, the, the Justice and Development Party was a pro-democracy, pro-European Union membership party. They have done enormous uh, efforts by means of the Turkish membership to European Union, European Union reforms. Actually, many people, many segments of the society, including the uh, religious minorities, gay and lesbian groups and so on, uh, benefited from those reforms. So you would expect uh, that the overall support of the media uh, should be more in the initial era and less in the more authoritarian era that started after 2007. It happened the reverse. Where they deserved the support, the Turkish media didn't give the support. When they deserve only criticism, they get the support. So it is a, it is a success, amazing success of Erdogan government, but it is also a catastrophic uh, success. Did anything change by means of composition of newspapers? No. If you move to page three, for example, this is the five, uh, five and six changes according to time, newspapers that dominate the uh, top echelons of the Turkish media for the last 15 years, apart from the uh, highest one, Zaman, which doesn't exist anymore, so that explains how, why it goes down radically so uh, to zero. Uh, apart from uh, Zaman, even the overall sales of newspapers didn't change a lot. You know, the second largest is still the second largest, third largest is the fourth largest, and the, you know, slight changes. So newspapers are there. There is only one newcomer, Haber Türk, that was added in 2009. But its position from the very beginning, by means of composition, by means of composition of the authors, uh, editorial staff, and so on, they didn't change. The, this means that it is not about uh, personnel. It is not about the employees. It's not about the uh, you know systemic issues. It's a, it is in in the mind or in the heart that something has changed in the Turkish media. When you move into the second uh, uh, tier, meaning the newspapers selling between 100,000 and uh, 200,000. Uh, again, we see that by and large, the players are the same players. There was only one newspaper, Bugün Daily, that was introduced uh, after 2007. And again, it is closed because of its opposition status. Uh, slightly for some time, Taraf Daily managed to sell a bit more than 100,000, but not longer than one year, so it was only during 2013. Uh, in the days of the uh, graft allegation against the government, it was an opposition newspaper. Well, by the way, it is also closed down by the uh, emergency situation law. So my question is, how did this happen? How how how? Erdogan succeeded in doing this. To a certain extent, I can say Erdogan succeeded in doing this. This may be a simplistic uh, explanation, but uh, following Hugo Chavez. Uh, in fact, when we look at the 15 years of Hugo Chavez uh, conversion of Venezuelan media, we see same patterns there. 
half initially almost all newspapers were opposition and half lately there was no opposition newspaper in the country. But Erdogan uh, seems to me more clever and uh, he, he uses a <coughs> web of strategies to control the opposition media, to move them towards uh, his position and so on. I won't be able to deal with all uh, strategies that uh, he has been using. The strategies are basically, uh, I, I call them triple C strategies, uh, coercion, cohesion, and uh, conversion. Some newspapers, opposition news, newspapers, are coerced, uh, forced into being less opposition, into getting smaller, into selling some of their shares and so on. Uh, their fear works. Conversion, some newspapers were bought, simply bought by money. And, uh, and cohesion it refers to Erdogan government's strategies of having journalists uh, work with the government, willfully work with the government. I will go over a few strategies. Actually, we, we had a long list of checklist of dictators that I think future dictators will, will copy from Erdogan. Unfortunately, dictators learn from dictators. Uh, and uh, usually Democrats do not learn from Democrats, by the way. Uh, well, I will, I will mainly speak about two uh, most successful, catastrophically successful strategies that this government has been uh, using. One is um, acquisition strategy. Uh, the second one is uh, caretaker strategy. Acquisition strategy refers to, you know, in simplistic terms, buying newspapers. But of course, the the, the party, the governing party, cannot buy newspapers themselves. They legally they cannot own newspapers. So somebody else has to own the newspaper in the name of the government. I will go over two cases of major uh, newspaper sales. Uh, and try to get hints of how those strategies are working. The first one happened with Star Daily. Star Daily was selling a bit more than 300,000 copies uh, back in 2002. It belonged to Uzan uh, Group, a uh, uh, very rich businessman and a politician, Jem Uzan. Uh, by the way, Jemuzan does not live in Turkey anymore. He had to uh, escape the country because of his problems. He was the very first uh, victim. M many people believe, and I, s I still believe, that he, w he deserved that end. Uh, he was a kind of mafia boss I, uh, at the same time. But the point is, he had a newspaper, very successful newspaper, more successful than my newspaper at that time. Uh, but in 2004, um, the uh, security forces, the, the police started an investigation against his uh, holding uh, and he had to leave the country because of some financial misdoings, mismanagements uh, and the uh, TMSFA, TMSFA refers to the uh, insurance fund uh, that takes over bankrupt groups in order to prevent the customers to be harmed from the bankruptcies. So this is a legal institution that takes over uh, companies if they are not 
able to rule their, themselves or they also take over uh, foundations, funds and so on, which cannot elect future governing bodies. So I will refer to, to this agency as just agency from now on because I won't be referring to any other agency. But this fund, this agency, has taken over the uh, Star Group in 2004. Uh, by the end of the year, uh, the task of uh, the agency is to sell maximum amount of assets of a bankrupt, bankrupt company so as to pay for the debts of the company to the, to, the, to the state as a tax or to other people. So they decided to sell uh, the uh, Star Daily. It was sold to a Turkish businessman who is still living in United Kingdom. Uh, a businessman in uh, textile industry. Uh, this businessman, uh, I won't give names, uh, but you can find those names in internet easily. This businessman uh, used to give bursary to uh, sons and daughters of then Prime Minister, now President Erdogan. So it's a family friend. Within a month, he sold this newspaper to a Cypriot Turk businessman. Within a year, that Cypriot Turk sold this uh, newspaper to Etham Sanjak, Sanjak Group. Uh, Sanjak Group used to be formerly a Maoist businessman, moved into liberal, and who doesn't do that after 60? Uh, and a year later, it, Sanjak sold some of the shares to a uh, friend of Erdogan, a businessman once again. Uh, in the end, uh, Star newspaper still belongs to uh, the Sanjak group uh, and it is, I can say, the most uh, operational uh, and I am using this operational term in the sense of intelligence agency operations. Operational newspaper of pro-government newspaper. Whenever they want to uh, seal the fate of uh, a person, uh, I mean media lynch. Uh, whenever they want to seal the fate of a businessman, they use Star newspaper for the operations. They say most of the content is prepared by the <coughs> MIT. This is not the MIT University. This is the National Intelligence Agency of Turkey. Um, and Star is, is, is now a pro-government newspaper from a radically anti-government newspaper into a pro-government newspaper. This is a plain sale. Of course, we don't have any evidence that Erdogan himself asked either one of those businessmen to buy that newspaper. It may be that they decided to go into business, but the point is none of these people were in journalism or media industry beforehand. They are moving into media industry, and as, as I say, in this case, we don't have any evidence that Erdogan himself was involved. But in a rather larger acquisition case of uh, Turquoise Group in 2007, we see Erdogan himself personally involved. Not only Erdogan, but almost all of his government involved in the acquisition. Um, this is again, this, this again started with the uh, TMSFE, this agency being involved. The uh, Turquoise Group owned two largest TV channels of Turkey. Uh, one uh, quite large daily newspaper, uh, news agency, and most important, uh, one of the two 
distribution uh, agencies of Turkey, newspaper distribution agencies. There are only two distribution companies in Turkey, so you cannot distribute your newspapers to kiosks if you don't work with either one of them. And Turkas Group owned one of these groups. So uh, because of a disagreement between the two shareholders of the group, the agency took over the uh, governing of the newspaper. The first thing they did was to change the editor-in-chief. Normally, agency does not have the right to change the editor-in-chief, because changing editor-in-chief, particularly in this case, uh, a former uh, columnist from Yeni Shafak Daily, a staunchly pro-government newspaper from day one up until today, was made editor-in-chief of an opposition newspaper. Of course, it took some time for this editor to convert the editorial policies of the newspaper because everybody who worked in the newspaper, all the columnists, uh, correspondents, they were all opposition figures or at least critical figures. So they resisted to the idea of becoming a, a pro-government newspaper. This is the yellow, uh, green uh, part of Turquoise Group here. Okay, it took about two years, from 2007 to 2009, to be fully converted into a pro-government newspaper. In, in those two years, it changed hands also. The original group that bought the uh, Turquoise Group was Chaluk Group. Chaluk Group was um, a pro-government businessman who was involved in energy, uh, huge governmental uh, tenders, public tenders, and so on. And the prime minister himself usually referred to the owner of Chaluk Group, the boss, as Our Ahmed. His name is Ahmed Chaluk, so he used to refer to him as Our Ahmed. At that stage, we didn't realize that Our Ahmed was actually not involved himself in buying the newspaper. It was only his title that was used. In fact, the acquisition was done personally by the prime minister himself. He found the money from Qatari funds to buy the newspaper, $700 million, by the way, uh, in order to buy it. Uh, and uh, and Chalik Group was only on the uh, paper, the owner. And who became the boss of the Turquoise Group? Uh, son-in-law of Prime Minister. At that time, he was not the son-in-law yet. He became uh, of the Prime Minister. Now he is a minister in the cabinet, by the way. Uh, well, uh, within two years, uh, it was again sold to another group. Now, this second sale was, is quite telling. At this stage, the value of the group increased to over 1 billion US dollars. So resale meant paying back to the Qataris. Uh, so they needed the money. How they gathered that money to buy the uh, group? Um, in 2013, Turkish police uh, wiretapped, and to a certain extent illegally wiretapped, uh, conversations between uh, state ministers and uh, businessmen, you know, pro-government businessmen. And in case of three pro-government businessmen who is quite well known to be receiving almost all the largest construction, these are in construction industry, construction tenders, it was realized that each businessman was asked to uh, donate uh, at least $100 million for the acquisition of the newspaper. And the, uh, 
the critical uh, tender was the third Istanbul airport uh, public tender. Of course, it is $27 billion worth uh, project. So $1 billion out of $27 billion is, is not a huge money. They made the uh, $1 billion. They, they still claim that they own the newspaper, but uh, we know very well that it is pre President's son who decides what's going to be in the headlines the next day. Once again, I'm not claiming that the, those wiretappings were legal, but they were, they were uh, leaked to the press. We listened in the YouTube how President Erdogan was speaking to his son uh, Bilal about tomorrow's newspaper's headlines. Uh, those were shameful times, I can say, in 2013, but then we realized that those, none of those acquisitions were innocent acquisitions. Nobody entered into buying newspapers because they wanted to buy a newspaper. Another, once again, illegal uh, wiretapped conversation was between President Erdogan, who was at that night in Algiers. In the middle of the night, he was watching Turkish TV, Habertürk, a private TV channel. He gave a call to a certain person working in that private uh, TV channel, now we know as a party commissar, and we, know, we learned from then on that actually almost every newspaper and every TV channel does have a party commissar. So if Adon wants to order something to be published or something to be unpublished, taken off the broadcasting line and so on, he needn't to call directly to the editor-in-chief or manager of the newspaper or television, but his own commissar. Uh, this incident is passed, it has passed to history as Alo Fatih incident because president is calling Fatih and saying Alo Fatih and he wants Fatih to take off a subtitle that is referring to an opposition leader. There's no visual element on the screen about the opposition leader, it's just a subtitle. But think of it, your president is in a foreign trip to Algiers, he's watching you. And even a subtitle that refers to a position leader sympathetically is unacceptable in a private TV channel. Now, from then on, we know what happened. If we, from those conversations, we also learned how President Erdogan called another businessman, uh, Demirören Group's head, and rebuked this pure guy. He was, he, he, he was 75 years old at that time, meaning 20 years older than the president. The president was rebuking the owner of the newspaper, and he said, why did we ask you to buy this newspaper? For this reason? Well, this is the owner of Milliet Daily. Milliet, in 2002, belonged to Doan Group opposition. In 2011, it was sold to Demirören Group. Normally, Demirören Group is a secular group. And it, it was in media industry beforehand. So you wouldn't accept them, expect them to move Milliet, which was a left-wing intellectual newspaper, I can say independent, to move into a pro-government line. But it happened. From those, once again, I say illegally wiretapped conversations, we learned that it is Erdogan himself who asked the businessman to go and buy the newspaper and to leave it to his own control. 
I will move to the second issue, the caretaker issue. The caretaker issue is not completely unrelated to the uh, acquisition. Uh, in the first two cases that I mentioned, you have seen that TMSFA, the agency, is involved. The agency is actually appointing a caretaking governor to the newspaper, and that person decides the future of the newspaper. Uh, in, in Turkish, we call the caretaker Kayim. Uh, I can say up until Justice and Development Party, nobody knew what Kayim means in Turkey, and it is the most deserved job in Turkey nowadays because Kayims are very well paid, overpaid. And what is happening? This fund is taking over businesses. In fact, after the July the 15th coup, 575 businesses were taken over by the fund, and they are appointing Kayim, caretaker, to the businesses. Normally, caretaker has a very limited authority. The caretaker is there, if it is going to be closed down, meaning if it is a bankruptcy case, his task or her task is to sell all the assets of the company so as to pay for the consumers or the people who has any kind of loans with the group. Uh, or the taxation issues to close down. This is the overall task of uh, Kayim, but illegally and unofficially nowadays the Kayims has a task of making the companies go bankrupt. So take over quite well-working companies and they make them go bankrupt. For example, in page four, you see how this, is, this strategy is working for newspapers. IPEC-COSA group, This was not a huge media group, but uh, they had a very influential TV channel. Very influential. I can say one of the top three uh, news channels, Bugün TV. Today I'm speaking only about newspapers, so I won't enter into TV side of the issue, which is even more catastrophic. So I have only two to three uh, more words. You see here how a caretaker is seeing through that a newspaper that was selling a bit over 100,000 copies for several months before the caretaker took over, sells within only one month almost 200 copies. Not even a month. Yeah. So it goes down. Suddenly the newspapers lose subscribers, buyers, and so on. How? First of all, the next day the newspaper changes its uh, editorial policy. In this case, I was in Turkey at the time, and I was, uh, as an activist for media freedom, I was uh, protesting in front of the uh, taken over newspaper building. When our journalist friends were fired, the first night, the caretaker fired 175 journalists. The second night, the overall 472 journalists were fired from these two uh, newspapers and to TV channels in, in two days. They are hiring pro-government journalists from other uh, newspapers and so on, and they don't need a lot of people because they are receiving the content ready-made by the intelligence agency or the government groups. Of course, that content does not sell to the 
normal readership of those newspapers, people uh, do not anymore buy the newspaper, but it is not only that. They don't distribute. Their task is not to continue the publishing of the newspaper. Their task is to declare that this is no longer bearable economically, so let us close it. In fact, two months later, the caretaker suggested that the t two newspapers and one of the best TV channels of Turkey was not profiting at all, so it is a burden on the overall group, so he suggested to close it down. Well, of course, this was only one-tenth of the overall operation of Ipek Koza Group. Ipek Koza Group was in gold mining industry, one of the largest in the world. Uh, it's uh, worth 10 billion US dollars only in Turkey. It is operating in United Kingdom, in Ireland also. And uh, the Turkey branch is altogether closed down. Within two years, $10 billion worth company is finished. To whom those monies are gone, you can understand why being a caretaker is such a desirable job. Many people joke that if you lose your job, apply for Kayim Hood you know, to be a caretaker. Well, uh, I think I have to stop here. I, I am sure you might have uh, questions about the issues that I didn't touch. As I uh, said uh, in the beginning, I, am touch, I touched only two strategies. and uh, uh, I would love to speak about all kinds of smaller tactics uh, that the government has been applying. One may be, if you are following a bit about the uh, r rape uh, victims law, that was going to pass from the parliament last week, this was a game. And Erdogan does this every time. Whenever he wants to do something critical that, people, that he wants people not to speak about, or whenever the economy is in real problematic situation, he goes out with a stupid, stupid law, and it is always about women, always. It's always about them because men has lost their energy for opposition. Only women has the energy for opposing the government. And suddenly the whole uh, opposition goes to the streets, news media moves to that topic. In the last 10 days, Turkish lira devaluated 20% in front of US dollars. It is a huge economic crisis normally. Normally. Nobody spoke about it because we were busy, the, the whole opposition was busy with the rape uh, victims law. It, it was unacceptable. The idea was this. If a uh, uh, you know, child raped decides to marry her raper, then the punishment will be delayed. How can a child decide okay, not to marry her raper. And the numbers are huge, huge numbers. 40,000 uh, girls have come out. And you all know that in rape cases, it's, it's sometimes 10 to 15% that comes out. The rest are afraid to say it, particularly in Eastern societies where the blame is always put on the victim. They don't come out. And the government is coming out saying that well, they are getting married, and then we are get going and arresting the husband, and uh, the victim is double victimized then. Uh, from day one, I realized that this was a trick.
uh, but unfortunately the opposition didn't. And many women organizations in Turkey today is celebrating that they managed to stop that law. That was never meant to be a law. And this happened several times. Abortion law. In again, another economic crisis period, Erdogan came out in one night uh, that abortion is going to be uh, declared uh, illegal. It is legal, fully legal in Turkey. Uh, the whole society spoke about this for about a month. A month later, Erdogan said, yeah, we realized that this was a mistake. We are taking it back. So this is a general strategy of how to control the opposition, how to take off the energy of the opposition. This is just something very really fresh uh, to see. Thank you very much for your patience. Thank you.